Hey there, welcome to night school. Yeah, you know, this feels like the weirdest time yet. I can't really shake that feeling. It's not one of those feelings you want to hold on to too much. When things feel weird, you don't want to just keep saying that to people. Things feel weird. But it's hard to shake that feeling right now. I mean, things are always weird, and that's what I love about life. I mean, it's the weirdness of it all that somehow becomes normal, but still it's what makes life interesting. Like you reach a certain point where everything seems fundamentally weird, and the weirdness of the whole <laughs> makes it all somehow normal. It's like the ultimate contradiction is the fact that you know, normalcy itself is so weird, and that weirdness is actually normal. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, even beyond that, you just do get these moments where you're just like, man, like, I don't know, I've been in such a deep fog. You know, some of that electricity that I talked about, some of that, I guess you'd call it anxiety, you know? If you pay attention to this show, you know, I was going through an episode a couple weeks ago, I guess, a week and a half ago. Because that's the other thing about this, is just time is, it's moving. You know, time is moving quickly, but it's also... My sense of time is just so off. And, uh, you know, it's good that it feels slow at times, but it's just, it, I think off is the is the better way to describe it. But I'm making an effort to get out a lot. I've been... You know, because even during the height of lockdown and all that, I was never just shut in. You know, except when I was sick and things like that, I've made an effort to get out to places, go on a lot of walks. Uh, I haven't been running lately, but, you know, going on runs, just taking the dog out, just different things, you know, just making an effort to get out in the world, to breathe fresh air. But lately I've been making more of an effort to go a little further away. Not, you know, far as in like miles and miles away, not even other towns, but just, you know, driving to another neighborhood a couple miles away and just parking and walking. In the last week and a half or so, I've walked through downtown Olympia quite a bit, which I think that's the peak of the weirdness. <laughs> if you want to get into peak weirdness, you know, I really haven't spent much time downtown. And, and if you're not familiar, which you probably aren't and shouldn't be, Downtown Olympia is just kind of two streets. You know, this is the capital, but it's not a very big city. And so the downtown is just kind of two streets. One of them is lined with bars and restaurants. The other one is lined with a bunch of kind of boutique shops. And uh, so it's it's not a, a terribly happening place. But, you know, it's, it's the heart of the town. And it's where most things are going on, especially on weekends. But I really hadn't spent much time down there at all in the last year. I've only kind of peripherally passed it. And, uh, you know, going down there, though, in the last week and a half, it started out where I went down there about a week and a half ago. It was a Saturday night. And uh, I just noticed a lot of cars out. A lot more cars than I've seen out at night in a long time. Because one of the strange things about Coronivi, and I've mentioned this about grocery stores, where, like, if you go to a grocery store at 8 o'clock at night, you're going to see the midnight crowd because grocery stores have a midnight crowd there there's a depending on the grocery store uh but still like grocery stores have a midnight crowd and the midnight crowd is a lot it's close you know it, it, there are a lot of parallels between the midnight crowd at a grocery store 
and just the typical bus terminal. Nothing even against those people, but just there's a similar sort of feeling about it. Uh, and uh, I, I noticed, though, during Coronavi that that kind of shifted where it's like, oh, yeah, the, the midnight crowd is out at eight o'clock. But one thing that's been interesting about all this is because things aren't open or they weren't open is that there weren't a lot of cars out past a certain time at night. Hot rodders. You could tell like there's people who have hot rods who have invested a lot into their cars who they'd go out and just, you know, peel rubber and things like that. But you, you didn't see a lot of normal people out driving after dark. And so last Saturday, I was walking in a part of town I don't normally go to, and I just noticed all these cars, and I was like, you know, I want to know what this is all about. And I, I noticed, you know, about a month ago, you know, a bar that had been closed down the street opened up. I, I, I imagined some sort of policy had changed. Because, you know, you don't, you don't really get memos about this stuff. Like, unless you pay close attention, nobody really sends you a memo. You know, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but... You know, a little a little under a year ago, at the start of Coronavi, I got a postcard in the mail from the government saying to wash your hands. And so far, that's the only official paperwork or official memo of any kind that I've gotten from the government or anybody letting me know what's going on. You know, you'd think that with the way that, uh, you know, there's Amber Alerts on your phone where... You know, if, if a child gets abducted or anything like that, you'll get this alert on your phone. Like, it cuts through everything. And your phone vibrates, and you have to, like, click confirm. And, you know, I'm glad that exists, of course, you know. I'm glad there's a notification that lets you know a kid is in trouble. And you could potentially help with the situation. That's pretty amazing. But it's also amazing to me that, you, that they don't use that to let you know about other important things. Like, you'd think that you would at least get some sort of text message from the government letting you know when, uh, you know, masks were mandated. Or when, you know, the policy surrounding, like, restaurants and stores changes, you know, things like that. You'd think you'd get something. But unless you pay very close attention and, like, check the news all the time and check social media or, you know, or somebody just tells you, somebody who does pay attention. Like, I, I know the governor makes announcements and things, but it's not like there's even, I don't know, it just, it just feels like there's no centralized place to get updates on this, and you'd think that it would come to you. You have to, like, make an effort to know what's going on. So that's just a strange thing about all this, but, you know, so I didn't really know what was going on, and I still don't, to be honest, but, uh, you know, I noticed that a bar down the street that had been closed all winter suddenly opened. And so last Saturday, when I noticed all these cars out and about, I was like, okay, I'm going to see what this is all about. And so I went to downtown Olympia on foot for the first time in a long time. And it's a place that, you know, I've spent, back when I drank, I spent so much time down there. And even after that, it's a place that I'll just stroll through. You know, it's a place where, you, you know, you get your finger on the pulse of what's going on a little bit. And I don't mean like hearing the hot gossip i mean you just get kind of a feeling for like how things are when you go through the heart of a city even a small city but it had been so long since i just walked around down there like you still have places that are boarded up you know because you know even though we didn't experience you know like the height of the blm thing there was still pretty much a constant presence for a while down there people did riot people did break windows pretty regularly for a couple months they lit trash cans on fire 
places did get yeah a lot of a lot of vandalism for sure and so it was interesting to see like some places are still boarded up it's hard to tell what places are open it's you know some places aren't but all of like the niche quote-unquote cool bars are closed and i don't think permanently but there's like three or four bars in downtown olympia that i would say are, are hip for one reason or another there's like the old goth metal bar which i used to hang out at a lot and then there's uh, the uh you know the more like hip artsy place across the street a couple other places like that places where just you expect people who are into music and art and things like that to hang out and they do hang out there those places are all closed i don't know i don't know what the story is but it's interesting that the places that are all open you know are much more mainstream kind of normal people bars the normal people bars are open the more normal people restaurants are open and you know seems like all the restaurants that have survived thus far are open in some capacity but what was so strange is you know i was walking downtown and like the first place you come across is this place called the oyster house it's called the oyster house and uh, it's this place it, it seems like it burns down every couple years i mean i think it just burned down once but if it's one of those places that feels like it feels like there's always something going on with it and then it just like regenerates it just grows back into the same distinctive look that it always had after every catastrophe you always hear stories about like how bad it is to work there and that kind of thing but it's still it's it's i think it's a landmark because like fishermen used to eat there 80 years ago or something it's so it's become this local landmark but in reality it's just kind of like an overpriced like not even a particularly fancy restaurant or anything but it's just kind of it's the oyster house A lot of people yelling lately. You know, as someone who's been walking a lot, I've been getting a lot of people yelling. Like, like some young guys screeched at me the other day, and it's just like, you know, it's okay. People, people can do what they want, but uh, you know, it's just it's funny to me. You know, that people feel the need to do that right now of all times, when there is this sort of just like weird, unsettling feeling in the air and all that. Uh, but uh, you know, I was going down there. I was passing through there for the first time and uh you know when i walked by the oyster house like there was a group of like 60 something year old people like 60 year old yuppies who i have no beef with i mean that's a thing like you hear the word yuppie and you think like it's a problem like oh I, he, he described them as yuppies he must not like them i have no beef with yuppies like the town I grew up in had a lot of yuppies, and, and to be honest, like, well, I wouldn't say I'm comfortable around yuppies, like, I, my, I don't come from a yuppie family by any means. I, there is something kind of like, I don't know, I mean, there is something uh, okay with me <laughs> about it, I guess. So I don't say it, that as a pejorative. Um, you know, there's people of all group, you know, it, it really is the truth at this point. Like, it almost sounds like a cliche, but it's like, you can find people you won't like and people you will like and people who you're ambivalent about, people you're indifferent toward in all groups. And that's true for yuppies as much as anybody. That said, it is a type of person. And... Uh, just like, just like the, there is a type of person who will scream at you out of a car while you're walking late at night. It's not that late. It's like almost 10, which is kind of late. <laughs> I don't need to go in. I don't need to go on about what counts as late. Is, is it uh, bus terminal late? 
is it midnight grocery store late? Not I mean, probably past that. Because we know midnight grocery store late is eight o'clock now. But then again, we're in this weird transition back to pseudo-normalcy, so I don't know if it's still, I don't know if time is changing on us again. You know, maybe pretty soon midnight is going to be the same old midnight at grocery stores. But anyway, I walked by the Oyster House and there's this group of like 60-year-old yuppies. You could tell they were all out. It was a couples thing. There were like four couples, three couples, probably had a couple glasses of wine. They're all in their masks leaving the oyster house and they're commenting on the con like, like these new condos had gone up across the street right before coronavi and they're like oh i hadn't seen the new the new building and then like somebody else the lady who was with them was like yeah but have you seen the inside they're so nice and i was like those people haven't missed a beat that group of people who were out having their like yuppie night out at the oyster house like they have not missed a beat they're having like glib parting conversation you know because there's that sort of conversation you have when you're leaving a restaurant with people you know where you're all going to be going in different cars and like especially if you're couples imagine me at a couple's night <laughs> but uh <laughs> like in the few experiences i've had where like as a couple i've been out with uh, other couples you have this sort of like glib parting conversation where you're just like talking about nothing because you know that you're all gonna leave and you're kind of like you're feeling good because you just had like a meal at a restaurant and maybe a drink or two and it's just funny though because like, they were just talking about the condos across the street, and they're like, I, have you seen the inside? They're nice. You know, and, and it was just like, I was like, those people have not missed a beat. And thank God, because if 60-year-old if couples who are out, 60-year-old yuppies who are out on couples night, like, if they're not just making small talk about the condos across the street on their way out of the restaurant, something's wrong. They're broken. Like, those people are damaged if they're not doing that. So I'm like, yeah, those people, God bless them that they're just back to normal. They didn't miss a beat. They're leaving a restaurant talking about condos. But that said, I mean, it's like I, I felt like a ghost. You know, hearing that, I was just like, wow. You know, while, while I don't feel like my brain is completely broken or anything, I was just like, wow, I can't... I can't imagine that. You know, I can't I can't like place myself in that world at all. And so as I walked through downtown, you know, uh, I was just I was looking in the windows of like restaurants that were open. And I have to say too, like downtown's desolate. Like I mentioned there are still boarded up places. There's not even that many transients and the few transients that are down there, like the few homeless people that are down there. And downtown Olympia has a lot of, you know, for for its small size, there are a lot of transients. A lot of homeless people. I don't say that as any kind of like criticism. I'm just saying that it, you know it's a certain reality. It's a description. But even then, there's not that many downtown right now, and the few that are down there seem extra unhinged. So it's like desolate, empty. Places are still closed. Some places are still boarded up. Places just, it seems just kind of unkempt. I think that'd be the word. It's just and desolate. But then you'd have these little like suddenly you'd pass a restaurant and it seemed so bright and warm and it was so weird to look in because I looked inside and it was packed with people. The restaurants are packed with people without their masks like sitting and there's no separation between the tables. And I think that's great. Like 
I'm not somebody who's sitting there thinking like, oh my God, everything's opening up. I hate it. You know, I, I want people to be happy and I want them to feel normal. I, I want them to do what they do. Like in the same way, um, in the same way I was like, you know, those yuppies are just talking about condos on their way out of the restaurant. That's what they do. That's them in their element. You know, if they're not doing that, something is probably horribly wrong with them, you know? Uh, and it's the same thing for like walking by restaurants. Like, like the people who like really want to get back out into restaurants and like be able to sit there and talk, you know, it's like, I want them to be able to do that. I'm not going to be somebody who sits here and is like, oh my God, they, they're not wearing masks. But, but it did surprise me. Cause I mean, like this was like February 28th. So like the last day of February and it crossed my mind where I was like exactly two months ago, they were telling people they can't get together with their families for Christmas. And now, you know, I'm walking by restaurants in downtown Olympia where it's still very cold and, and at times rainy and stuff. Uh, and there's restaurants full of people with like no separation between tables, no separation between booths, nobody wearing their masks while they're sitting at their tables. So it was just a little bit weird where it's like, oh, you know, and I know that like vaccines have come out since then. I know there's probably logical reasons or something. Maybe. I don't know. I don't I don't know what counts for logic anymore. But it's like I know somebody probably has some sort of explanation for like why it's OK for a restaurant filled with people all sitting close together without masks. I'm sure somebody has some explanation for that. And, and it's and whatever that explanation is, honestly, it's good enough for me. Like, I wear my mask to stores. I do, I, you know, I've, it's what I've done. I, I'm not doing anything that differently than I was doing a year ago. I really haven't changed my approach to safety any more than I did a year ago. And that was always my goal. I was like, whatever I do now, I want to be sustainable. I don't want to feel like I'm being put upon wearing a mask isn't the end of the world to me you know so it, it's what i'm doing now is pretty much the same thing i was doing a year ago and uh but anyway anyway like i mean because i got my oil changed and uh, the kid who did it came up to my car and you know he, he wasn't wearing a mask and i didn't care i didn't stop and think oh my god the kid at jiffy lube walked up to my window and he, he wasn't wearing a mask you know I'm not gonna worry about that you know uh, just not going to but uh, I don't know it was just weird because like walking by these windows because it's like I guess it was just so weird because I I'm always thinking about a Christmas Carol and I really did feel like Scrooge right I I felt more like a ghost I really felt like a ghost just floating through town and like looking in these windows it wasn't like a have and have not sort of feeling because that's always there like there's always a sort of like haves and have nots thing where like talking about downtown olympia having a large homeless population you know there's always been an element of people whose lives are in a state of you know utter chaos and destitution sitting in an alleyway next to a restaurant where people are living it up like that always exists but this was different than that you know, I felt like a ghost myself, just kind of floating around. And, uh, like, looking in the windows, I was just... I saw people and I was happy for them. Like, I was happy to see people out in restaurants in the warm light. But the phrase came to me, false hearth. 
you know, like a hearth, H-E-A-R-T-H. And the phrase came to me, false hearth, because it, it didn't seem entirely real. You know, it seemed like people are kind of, you know, they're doing what they have to do to make themselves feel okay and to get back to normal, but it just, something just seemed artificial about it. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't rest on that thought for too long, but I just couldn't quite shake that feeling every time I passed the warm light of a restaurant and looked in and I was just kind of like, huh, something isn't completely, something about this isn't in harmony. And it wasn't just that outside is such desolation. There's just something not quite right about it. And I don't know, I'm not, I haven't really thought about that since then. It's just a, a feeling I couldn't shake. But that kind of describes just everything right now for me. I don't feel miserable. I don't feel overly anxious. Like, my situation hasn't changed since I was having this utter electricity shooting through my body. I, You know, my hair is still falling out. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, like, I, I think like what the, the feeling I have is that something isn't quite right. And I can't quite put my finger on it. And so what I ended up doing last weekend, like a, like a madman, is I ended up walking downtown three nights in a row. I went on these massive walks because I wasn't lifting weights. I wasn't doing any of my other normal exercise. So I was just like, instead, I'm going to spend all of my free time walking at night. So I walked through downtown three nights in a row because I just, and and when I was walking, I was just like, I'm I'm trying to get my finger on the pulse of things because it seems incredibly difficult to do that right now. It seems incredibly difficult to just get a feel. Like normally I feel like I kind of know what's going on. (laughs) <laughs> you know, but it, but it was like I just was walking through downtown and I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm trying to get my finger on the pulse. And I I'll, let me tell you, I never did. But I did want I wanted to see like downtown on a Saturday and then a Sunday and then a Monday just to see like how it changed. And yeah, the desolation just increased exponentially each day. And then I went down there again the other night, a couple nights ago. And it was bad. Like there were people freaking out on the streets. There were like groups of like young men who looked really aggressive. Like it was probably the first time they've gone out as a group of young men to bars. And it crossed my mind that this is gonna be a period where, you know, I I think men are gonna have a lot to prove because they've been kind of just sitting around being told what to do. And just on a core level, men don't like that no matter who they are. You know, I've been more or less fine with my situation. Like, I don't, I haven't really felt like I'm being held back necessarily by what's going on. But especially guys who are younger than me. You know, I'm 35. Not that I'm some old man, but I don't, I don't necessarily feel like I have to prove myself to my peers or anything like that. Whereas... You know, all these guys who are kind of in the prime of their 20s, let's say, guys who would have, in the last year, would have been having all of these adventures and experiences, parties, haven't been able to do that, at least not nearly to the level that they would. You know, I was thinking, they're going to really want to get back out, and they're also going to feel like they have something to prove. And I'm not really intimidated by people. You know, of course, there's always something a little bit unsettling about like large groups of young men you know on the streets at night but I saw this group of about four or five guys walking down the street 
clearly had been drinking. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go down a side street. Those guys are looking for trouble of some kind. And there was, and there was like a guy screaming, like, you know, it didn't help that there was like a guy, like a transient guy just like standing on a street corner screaming in the most like demonic voice, you know? So it's like, that was the sort of atmosphere. That was the sort of tone in the air. And I was like, okay, okay, this is more, things are laid a little bit more bare now. Like this is, this is not the false hearth that I experienced the weekend before. The sort of, uh, the tension is a little more bare. Uh, the, the, the thin curtain covering the tension, covering those like stretched wires is a little more, uh, apparent because <laughs> I, I was like, I got to get out of here. You know, I don't, I don't normally have that feeling. Like in this town in particular, like I don't consider this, there's nothing scary. You know, there, there's very little, like there, there's people you don't want to be on a dark street with, like you'd find everywhere. But, you know, Olympia is not a town where you feel particularly unsafe. You know, the most you experience is, is occasional discomfort. If somebody who's like way too high or who's like truly lost their mind just like erupts into screams on a street corner, you know, that's, you know, you're going to experience a little discomfort in that situation. But I was just down there and I was like, okay, something bad is going on and I need to get out of here. You know, so that was sort of my experience last weekend. So, again, just trying to get my finger on the pulse of things and haven't really gotten it, but I felt like that felt a little more real. But to get back to that male aggression thing, you know, that's something to watch for. Because, you know, something that's been going on in the last year, and I don't think this is a particularly, like, misogynistic comment... But a lot of what I've experienced, so I'm just talking about my own experience here. Somebody else could tell you otherwise. But a lot of what I've experienced online during Coronavi is women being a lot more aggressive. Like a lot more of this like sort of feminine aggression and hostility channeled through these different online outlets. Not even saying there's anything wrong with that. I've just been aware of it. You know, a lot of the sort of anger and accusational sort of talk to me in my experience you know i could be wrong you know <laughs> uh, I, I mean i could be my my experience could not be everybody's experience but a lot of what i've seen like the stuff about like arguments about masks arguments about coronavi arguments about politics a lot of what i've personally seen people I know as well as people I don't know is, is a lot more of this kind of feminine aggression. Not to say like men don't say things and do things and all that. I mean, you could find examples of everything. Everybody's doing something. But I do feel like there has been something going on where there's this sort of like feminine aggression channeled through the internet that we're all forced to look at because we've been locked down. And that concerns me because... I, I think that we're going to see a lot of male aggression out in the physical world in response to that. And no amount of conditioning can stop that. And it's not some 
patriarchal societal force that's causing that either. It's just something that's in people. And the fact that young men haven't been able to prove themselves, the fact that they haven't been able to take risks, the fact that they haven't been able to get their energy out in some cases, is going to make the near future a little bit scary, in my opinion. Because, I mean, I, me I mentioned earlier how, like, during the height of Corona vibe, you went out on the streets at night, you saw a lot of people in hot rods revving their engines, burning rubber. You could hear them. You know, you could just hear it. It's like, there was a night that I went out early in the winter when they had just locked things down again. And I could just hear tires squealing and people doing wheelies. And, you know, I've seen people tailgating each other. I've seen, I've had, like, you know, the only time I've been tailgated while all this is going on is a guy in a little hot rod. And so that's kind of what I mean, where it's like people need to get their aggression out. And they get it out anyway. Like, under normal circumstances, people are going to get that aggression out. But I think, like, when things officially open up and people know that everybody's watching them, you know, everybody's got eyes on everybody else. Because we're going to have a lot of... You know, people already watch each other where it's like, you know, people looking at people looking at people. But, you know, we're going to enter a period where people are going to be really looking at each other because they haven't been able to for a while. And, you know, young men in particular are going to want to be seen. And young men get seen by being aggressive in a lot of cases. So just something that came to my mind the other night, <laughs> just because I saw this kind of like aggressive posse of dudes walking around, like probably their first night out at bars in a long time. And I was just like, you know, yeah, that's something that we're going to have to contend with is dudes just being a little more aggressive. And I don't even necessarily mean violent. I just kind of mean audacious. I just kind of mean they're going to puff themselves up. And that, of course, will lead to violence. You know, it will. And I think part of it, too, is the fact that, yeah, there's been this sort of... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't want to give some kind of disclaimer because it's, it's what I see. But it's like there has been kind of an overwhelmingly feminine energy to, like, getting online in the last year. Maybe it's always that way. I used to think of the internet as like really a male sort of feeling. Like that's how the internet used to be. Where you used to feel like you were just like dealing with dudes all the time. But in the last year for sure, there's been a heavily feminine vibe for better and worse. You know, there's good things about it as well. Um, but because of that, I feel like men are going to be acting out in the physical world a lot more. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm actually happy if I'm wrong because men acting out at all doesn't usually go well for people. <laughs> you know, it doesn't usually, the greater good, you know, usually, <laughs> you know, the greater good doesn't usually benefit from young men acting out. And so I actually hope I'm wrong about that, but I just see it coming. Um,. I don't know. I, I want to get back to something I mentioned briefly. I mentioned, you know, I used to hang out at a, you know, what people would call a goth metal bar. You know, I don't know that that's the best description, but it's a dark bar where it's all, everything's black. They have like metal and, you know, some experimental music, some different things on the jukebox. You know, I used to hang out there, you know, all night. 
all weekend. That was my place for years. Still like it, you know, still, still like it. You know, I still think it's, if I were to go out and hang out at a bar, even though I don't drink, I, I have gone to that bar. But uh, it's, it's currently closed. But I was thinking about it, you know, I was thinking about that idea that people have in their heads where it's like, so much of, so much of like what you experience truly is like what's going on in your own mind. And that colors your experience, that colors your experience with other people. Kind of like the idea of when people are walking down the street and let's say they pass somebody who just has a very stoic looking face. Like this has happened to me a lot in my life where people will think I scowl at them or something. And the reality is I just kind of have that face. And I'm not somebody who naturally just smiles because it seems weird and unnatural for me to do that. But as a result, like sometimes people, you know, think like, oh my God, that guy, he gave me a scowl resting dick face, you know, when really I don't mean to do that at all. And so if you already have it in your head, you know, if you're already on edge, just like someone looking at you can make you think they're out to get you or they're judging you. And that's something we go through constantly in life. You know, I talk about phantoms on this show a lot where I use it to mean like those little voices in your head that tell you, like, it's basically like the little imagined arguments like when you ima- when you think something or say something and then you imagine somebody arguing with you about it. It's what people talk about when they talk about shower arguments where it's like, oh, I was in the shower. I just, I, I was having this argument in my head with somebody about something. Or it's like when you're anxious trying to go to sleep at night in bed, you might imagine these hypothetical scenarios where like someone calls you out or someone points something out, someone tells you you're wrong. And so you have this like kind of internal argument with yourself, but you're having the argument with this phantom. And sometimes that phantom has the face of somebody you know, because you can imagine what that person would think about something you said or did. Therefore, you're kind of imagining like that this is a real conversation you're going to have with that person. And even if that's true, like you don't, you still, you don't need to have that argument unless you actually think you're going to get called out on the carpet. You know, unless you actually think there's going to be a kangaroo court and it matters how you conduct yourself, you know, like you don't really need to have those internal arguments with your phantoms. Although, you know, having those arguments can also make you a stronger person because you, because those phantoms can tell you when you're wrong. Like, you know, when you say something and that little phantom in the back of your head says, oh, you're a hypocrite for thinking that because you also think this or do this, sometimes that can kind of help you reconcile your contradictions or your hypocrisies, or it can at least like make you a more multidimensional person. It can make you think outside of your own box. But so often, like beyond those little phantoms in the back of our mind that kind of like point things out or who we argue with. You know, you can also see those phantoms in people you pass on the street or who you know or who who just you come into contact with. And you have to like keep that in check. You know, you have to uh you have to remember like what's real and what's not cuz yeah, if you have it in your head that like like if you wake up in the morning and you're thinking like, "Oh, uh I don't know, I don't know why women have such a problem with men." You know, and you're walking down the street and like, let's say you pass by a woman and you think that she like 
scowls at you. You might think, oh, she's scowling at me because I'm a man, you know, and it's nonsense. She might have just been thinking. She might have just been thinking very hard about something. But because you already had it in your mind, because you already had like that thought in your mind, you're going to like do this math where you know exactly why that person made that face at you. Or even if someone says something to you, you're going to hear it the wrong way. And so that's kind of what I'm getting at with this. And like with that bar, I was thinking about it the other day because I walked by it and it's totally closed. And I was thinking about going to that bar so much over the years. And I would suggest it to people. Like if I was hanging out with people, I was like, let's go here. And one of the comments I got so often over the years from like girls I was dating, from just coworkers, is if they were like somewhat normal people, like if they were people who like wear colorful clothes or are into normal things or just like things, basically if they're somebody who isn't into dark things, one of the common things they would say is they would be like, oh, I don't like going there because I feel like the bartenders are constantly judging me. Or I feel like the people there are constantly judging me. Like, I even heard people say, like, more than one person said this, which is interesting. More than one person said, like, oh, when I go there, I feel like the bartenders are judging me because I don't wear black. And, you know, it's one of those things that's funny because it's like, I know all the bartenders there. You know, I know the owners. And I can, I can promise you <laughs> that those people are not judging you, you know, for not wearing black. You know, it's one of those just little absurdities where it's like, I actually know the people. They're not my best friends, but I know them well enough to tell you that they're not sitting there thinking like, oh, somebody came into this bar not wearing black. And not only that, I can tell you that those same people think a lot of the people who wear all black at that bar aren't very cool. Like, the idea that you have to wear some sort of uniform to be accepted at a place like that is just so funny to me. And that somebody has it in their head that they are being judged for not looking a certain way because they're in an establishment that has a certain aesthetic. It always kind of blew my mind when people said that. Because I used to go there all the time and, like, you know, the people there didn't necessarily know who I was or what I was all about, especially early on. And, like, I would go there wearing, like, Seahawks hats and, like... You know, whatever I wanted. I never tailored what I, you know, I never dressed a certain way to go there. I mean, like, the, and the reality is, is, if I go there and I'm wearing, like, an NFL team hat and, like, a plaid shirt, like, I'm involved in way darker things than anybody else there. You know, and I don't even say that as a point of pride or something. I'm just saying the reality is, is that, like, my own credibility is fully... You know, I got nothing to, again, nothing to prove as far as that goes. Uh, so it's like, I never, it never even crossed my mind, like, like, oh, I've got to look a certain way. Because, I mean, like, as far as the things I've been involved with, it, you know, obviously I, I have nothing to prove to myself as far as my interests go. Um, and, I, I, and I never even really crossed my mind that I didn't look the part or anything. And sometimes I would. You know, there some nights on occasion I do uh, I do wear more black or something, but it just it's never crossed my mind that I was like dressing up to go to a certain place, or that I would be judged or anything like that. And it, you know, and I I know that I wasn't. You know, I know that I was never judged for how I looked there. I was treated well. But it always stood out to me that people like girls I knew, 
because they wear like a yellow dress, they thought they're being judged by the the people at the dark bar. And it's like, it just shows you how much goes on in a person's head where they think that this thing is happening that isn't happening because they've kind of created this equation in their head. And uh, so much of life is that. They've created a phantom. They've created a phantom that says, if I don't look the part, like if my aesthetic doesn't match the aesthetic of the place I'm going or the people I'm going to be around, it's a problem. And there's a reason why people think that way, because there's a long history of that being a problem. Not so much with establishments, you know, maybe a little bit, but like there, there is tribal stuff going on. I mean, because I've run into that. Like I had a girlfriend who was very artsy and uh, most of her friends lived outside of town and there was like a wedding or something like that we went to. It was like a get together. And uh, I showed up and I was, again, just wearing like a Seahawks hat, just looking like a dude, probably. And I got, I kind of got the feeling like her friends were raising their eyebrows because I, I certainly didn't look like I, I did not look the way you would expect this girl's boyfriend to look. If you were to imagine like a hypothetical boyfriend that this girl would have, I did not look like what you would imagine. And I, of course, enjoyed that. I enjoyed that, but, uh, you know, I think her, I, I did kind of get the feeling her friends were a little like they raised their eyebrows, but I very well might have been doing that same equation in my head where I thought, oh, like these people might've just been shy. You know, they, there might've been nothing to it or they might've been super tribal and they thought like this guy isn't part of our tribe. So we're going to be extra quiet and kind of raise our eyebrow when we meet him. You know, maybe it could be one or the other. It could be neither. You know, it could be whatever. But it could also just be a phantom in my head telling me, oh, because my artsy girlfriend's artsy friends are meeting me for the first time and I, I look like a, a jock. They're worried or they're, they're scared or they're just judgmental or whatever it is. And uh, you don't want to get hung up on that way of thinking. You know, even if you're right, because it's one of those things where it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like, it doesn't actually matter what people's perception is. You know, because when you, when you start thinking that way, you get attached to your own identity. And worse than that, you get attached to other what you think other people's idea of your identity is. And that's one of the worst places to be, you know, when it comes to identity. Because, you know, you think about Buddhism and certain ideas that deal with identity and recognizing, you know, so much of that, so much of, you know, Buddhist practice is getting away from your own idea of what your identity is. And so much of what your own idea of what your identity is, is actually your idea of what you think other people's idea is of your, your identity. And at that point, what are you even thinking about? You know, what are you even thinking about at that point? It's hard, I, it's hard to even say that. But you probably know what I mean when I say that. It's like so much of your identity is your idea of what you think another person's idea is of your identity. And then you combine that with everybody you know and everybody you don't know. And then you truly are just in a house of mirrors. And I think the experience you have, and of course it's, it's something people experience through you know, any kind of esoteric 
practice. It's something people access through drugs, which isn't my approach at all, but it's, it's what a lot of different roads in life lead you to, which is like getting away from your own identity. And in getting away from your identity, you also realize that certain things are you. And there are certain things you just want to be. There are certain things you enjoy. I mean, I had to go through that process myself over recent years where I went through a phase where I was kind of like, oh, I don't really care about any of my interests. I don't really care about all of these things that I've invested all this time into over, you know, 30-something years of life. And I kind of got kind of got arrogant about that like where I was kind of like oh I just don't have any interests I just don't have any hobbies I'm just kind of floating through life you know I kind of got into that way of thinking not completely but I was definitely I think needlessly critical of some of my own interests and and that kind of thing and then and then of course you you cycle back you know you have these experiences that remind you that you do like those things And you don't want to be attached to things that are going to cause you trouble. I mean, like, there are certain interests I have where I recognize that if I immerse myself too much into them, I will just be negative. I will be needlessly critical and judgmental. Like, if I pay too much attention to what's going on in music, for example, I've found that, like, I just end up getting kind of nasty. And you recognize that about yourself, though. You recognize that as you sort of let go of other things and might become a kinder, better person in some ways, there are certain things that kind of bring you back into the nastiness. And there's not a lot you can do to get away from that other than to just not immerse yourself in those things. And it's unfortunate because, like, I mean, if it's important enough to you... You know, you just have to kind of deal with the fact that occasionally you have to stick your nose in something that'll piss you off or, you know, something to that effect. But you also recognize that it's like, it takes a lot of effort to try to not get upset about those things. And then you end up using so much effort on that, that it's like, why do I even bother paying attention to this anyway? So I might as well not pay attention to it all the time. And that's really all it is, is just not paying attention all the time. But, uh, you know, with that whole thing, with that whole idea of like thinking like, oh yeah, you know, like I'm letting go of all the things I I cared about. I'm letting go of that thing I thought was my identity. That's when you find out that your identity is still there and there are certain things you can't necessarily escape and there are certain things you wouldn't want to escape anyway because you actually do find them interesting or cool. And so that's a part of that whole thing. Um, But one thing you can get away from, and the the whole reason I started talking about this, is when you're thinking too much about other people's idea of you. Because the reality is you're not even thinking about that. Like, you don't know what other people's actual idea is. So in the end, all you're doing is it's your own idea about what you think another person's idea is. And then you multiply that by everybody you know and everybody you don't know because we often think about what strangers think of us. And, uh, you know, unless you're conscious of it, unless you're doing it as kind of an exercise, um, because it's not that other people's opinions aren't important. You know, that's what keeps us in check. Like, if you're never thinking about what other people think about you, you know, you're you might kind of get too far out there or you might uh, 
just not keep yourself in check, you know? So, I mean, there's a reason why we think about those things, but there's a function to everything. You know, there's a function to everything we do where something that is good for you can easily be turned into something that's bad for you. And that doesn't mean that there isn't a practical use. It's like eating. I mean, I think eating is the best thing where it's like you die if you don't eat. You wither away if you don't eat. But what is the thing that most people in the Western world struggle with one way or another? It's eating. They overeat or they eat things that aren't good for them. And they're in this constant battle. Like people end up in this constant battle with themselves about food. And then they turn that battle into a battle with other people. You know, it's, it's like, as I've gotten into a healthier diet over the last five or so years, I've had to be very careful not to get into, not to use that almost as a weapon. Cause you can eat, a lot of people do that. You see where people do that, where like they get on a health kick, they start, you know, eating healthy food or organic food, or it's sourced from this. Oh, locally sourced food. And even though there might be a good reason to do that. Like, even though eating healthy itself is good for you, it's like you don't want to turn that into something you're using to, like, attack other people with or to tell other people, like, they should do exactly what you do. And you can even see it where people do do it with, like, things like organic food or, you know, uh, you know where you get your meat, which are, those things are important. But it's like you don't want to club people over the head with it. Because the reality is it's, it's another like identity thing where it's like the reason you're doing that is because, you know, you've attached yourself to this thing that you do, which is eating only locally sourced meat. And because your ego is now attached to locally sourced meat, you're going to, you know, wield that as a club, you know, and it's easy to do that with things. Um... But you want to keep yourself in check, and one way to keep yourself in check is to think sometimes, like, what would other people think of this, or what do other people think about this? But you don't want to let that turn into a phantom. You don't want that to, like, be the thing that keeps you up at night, like, in a, a bout of anxiety. You don't want that to be the thing that you're spending your entire shower thinking about, when you should just be thinking about how good it feels to be under the hot water. So... Just some things that crossed my mind. I don't, I don't remember how this related to like downtown and Coronivi and things opening up. I guess to get back to that, just I don't know that you know. I don't want this to be like some therapy session, but just this unshakable feeling of like disconnection and weirdness. Because I have kind of you know gone a little bit underground, whatever counts for it. You know, I've been talking about wanting to to do that for a while. I don't ever want to stop doing this show, um, but, uh, you know, wanted to kind of get away from things, because, I mean, I haven't been paying much attention to anything outside of the bare necessity, and, uh, you know, when I do, I, I feel just as disconnected from that, like, I don't feel like I'm suddenly clued in. Because sometimes, like, sometimes there's an experience where, like, you feel kind of dissociated, unattached, and disconnected for a while. And then you kind of, like, you'll, you'll check something. Like, you'll look at, uh, you know, you'll check the news or your current events or you'll look at social media or if you haven't looked at it in a while. And you'll kind of be like, okay, I'm catching up. 
and it feels good in a way like it feels like you're kind of like downloading data where it's like okay I'm, I'm catching up on what's been going on and it feels natural and good in a way like it feels like that's what you're supposed to be doing on helicopters lately beautiful little helicopter but uh no uh you know sometimes you have that experience where you've been totally out of the loop you've been totally disconnected from things and then you'll like check in on things you'll check in on the world and you you know you catch up and it feels like the right thing you feel less disconnected there are other times though when you try to do that and it just make it just reinforces the feeling of disconnection and that's what i've had lately where you know, for the last, like, couple weeks, I really haven't been looking at social media or... You know, it feels like a lot longer than that, which just tells me something is really strange about time right now. But, you know, I really haven't been checking, like, any... Like, unless somebody messages me through one of my social media or accounts, like, I have not been paying much attention at all to it. And, uh... Like, I, I took a look at, at Twitter earlier today, or last night. I don't even know what day I looked at it, but it was, like, yesterday, and I hadn't really looked at it in a while. And, and uh, you know, everybody was talking about, like, the royal family and this or that, and it's just, I was just like, I don't understand. And it's not even that I didn't understand, like, the information. It wasn't even that, like, you know, it wasn't even about, like, the ability to cognitively understand it. It was just purely, like... It seems so strange to be, like, thinking about this stuff. It feels so strange to be paying attention to this and that everybody's doing it. That, like, something hit the news about these people. And now everybody's got something to say about it. And some of that's, you know, a need to stay relevant. You know, some people, it's, it's like, I want to comment on the thing. It was like when that stock thing was going on. There are some podcasts I was listening to. Like I had started listening to this new podcast with these. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to describe it. It's like a somewhat popular podcast that I had never listened to before, and I'd been very reluctant because I don't listen to very many podcasts. I I watch a lot of YouTube shows, most of which aren't actually podcasts. But I don't actually. I realized recently, like I don't actually listen to that many actual podcasts. But um. You know, I did, I did try to listen to this one that I'd been very reluctant to listen to for the last couple of years. A friend had recommended it to me a couple of years ago, and I was I kind of I'd opened myself up to it, and I was like, "Hey, this is something else. Like these, I have more in common with these people than I have, you know, different from them." And then, but like it was right when the whole stock thing was going on, and they were talking about that, and I was like, "I know this is interesting to people. It's not that I'm dismissing people's interest in something that affects their lives or that is." weird or interesting you know it's it's nothing to do with that but i was just kind of like you know i don't like like tuning in and everybody's everybody feels the need to have something to say about the same thing that's going on and because it feels so fleeting and the idea of like spending time talking about that like i'm doing right now but no but the idea of spending like an hour talking about that thing like that flavor of the week topic which I've certainly gotten sucked into before, but the idea of just talking about it, I was just like, huh, you know, this just feels weird. This feels dis, I feel disconnected from this. And that's just, that's kind of how I feel about everything right now. And I don't know what that is. It doesn't feel depressive. In some ways it feels like a blessing, but there's also kind of this fog to it. 
you know, my head just feels very foggy when I try to process these things. So, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. Only that it just seems like things feel a little extra foggy. Things feel, you know, I don't know, just going out in the world even, it's like seeing familiar sights don't seem entirely familiar. Like the physicality of them seems the same, but the, uh, the places just don't feel the same. And I guess going to neighborhoods where I haven't been walking a lot lately, or, or going to neighborhoods where I hadn't been walking a lot, you know, in the last year, but walking through them now, what gets me is that everything seems so quiet. And as it should, you know, it's, it's late winter. It's not like I expect people to be having parties and barbecues, but it's like everybody seems to be shut down very early. Like houses are dark very early in the night. Like it seems like everybody's asleep and you know people are home. But it just seems like everybody's very, very quiet. And I think in that way, I think everybody kind of is experiencing a little bit of this. I don't think I'm alone by any means in feeling kind of foggy. You know, I, a little bit uh, disconnected. A little bit like maybe I don't know what's going on. And it gets back to that idea that I always talk about, which is that everybody's improvising. And this has been a year of constant mental improvisation for people. And we've now entered this weird period where, like, some people seem oddly confident. Some people seem oddly confident in the air. You know, they, they seem to kind of like, they seem like they're going through the motions of knowing what's going on, of knowing what's going on. But when I actually talk to them, they don't. And good for them if they feel like, you know, if they're faking it till they make it or whatever they're doing, good for them. But I do have to remember that like nobody actually knows, you know, nobody actually has expertise when it comes to just living life. Um, and we're all equal in that regard. But, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just kind of like going through this weird little period here where I'm doing a lot of reading, doing a lot of thinking more or less, but that said, like, I don't, I don't feel like thoughts are just like flowing through me. Like they, they have been, I definitely feel like I'm as far as like going underground goes, it kind of feels like I've gone underground <laughs> inside of myself, which I think I've been waiting to do for a while. And you never want that to turn into something weird. Like you never want that to turn into like resentment. You never want to get into your own little world where you forget the value of other people. But I, I'm also content to just be... To be an observer for a little while, but to be a minimal observer. Like, I just want to watch the world. I want to, like, just kind of observe the state of the world from a place of comfort. <laughs> but I'm also not eager to observe a lot of it. And, uh, you know, as, as the weather gets a little warmer, I mean, I think we had a couple days where you could just, like, feel the slightest little bit of spring. You could, like, smell a little bit of spring in the air. You know, we're starting to see a little bit of flowering, things like that. But it's also still very winter. You know, it's still in the 30s at night. 
There's still definitely a, a strong winter to the air. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just hard to shake this feeling of fog and disconnection. And someone could say that's just all me. Someone could, someone could like, diagnose that, I'm sure, if they wanted. But it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel debilitating. It's just kind of there. And I think sometimes you look at that and you take that as a sign. You, you kind of take that as, you know, some sort of groove to follow. Uh, and by groove, I mean like a groove that's like worn into the ground. Not like a musical groove. Um, but, uh, yeah, sometimes I think you just have to follow that. When you feel that way, you just kind of immerse yourself in it. Because it doesn't really seem to be any other option. Like, because I have to say, too, I really felt like I was fighting some kind of psychic war for the last six months. And it, it really tired me out. I think it was necessary. I think it was good. Because, I mean, I think I've pushed myself in ways that I never, you know, dreamed of. Um, but I, I also did have this feeling of, like, fighting some kind of psychic war. And if you really want to know what that, you know, what that is, you know, <laughs> I guess talk to me privately. But, you know, it did feel kind of like there was this just like I was on this front, this mental front. And now I've had to kind of withdraw from that, not withdraw in defeat. I understand all this sounds ridiculous. But, uh, you know, I don't feel like I've had to withdraw in defeat, but just kind of like that the battle's over. And I mean, just, and just to go back to like current events, it's been hard to miss the whole Dr. Suisse. <laughs> it's been kind of hard to ignore like the Dr. Suisse debate, the Dr. Suisse controversy. Uh, and I, I really got nothing to even say about that. I got nothing to say. I mean, it should be obvious what my my personal policy is. Obviously, I'm a free speech absolutist. So you can kind of figure out where I stand on like the whole not allowing it to be sold, the hysteria against it. But I did. I kind of had a sad thought about that, where I was like, when I first heard about it, I was like, oh yeah, you know, everybody I know is probably on the same page as I am with that. And then I kind of like paused and I was like, you know what? That might not be true. If I were like sitting around the the breakfast table with a random assortment of people that I personally know, there's a good chance somebody would try to say, well, no, it actually is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, kind of like I was talking about with Zoom, where, like, I was just sad when I made a joke about Zoom and somebody I know felt the need to kind of defend it, kind of accusingly defend it. It's kind of like that, which I think that's more of a phantom thing, too. It's almost like me making a joke about Zoom to somebody I knew, and I'm not going to go on about that again. I think I said everything that I could possibly say about that, and I feel guilty enough ranting about it because I care about that person. But uh, it's kind of like that where when I made that joke about Zoom and like someone I care about got really kind of defensive for a second it's probably because they heard a phantom talking you know they probably heard like whereas i was just making an offhand joke about trying to avoid avoiding zoom zoom it's like probably in their mind they heard a phantom like 
calling them out for using Zoom. You know, that's kind of what I mean, where it's like, oh, I don't go to that bar because they, the bartenders hate me for using Zoom. <laughs> you know, it's like you can easily like turn that into, into a phantom thing where it's like you're hearing something that someone's not actually saying, which is what I'm getting at with all that. But, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's kind of like that with, like, the Dr. Suisse thing, where, like, I kind of imagine this hypothetical phantom breakfast table with people I know, where, I, where if, like, Dr. Suisse came up, <laughs> Dr. Suisse, uh, Dr. Swiss, uh, where if that came up, I can totally imagine certain people I know, like, in today's climate being like, well, you know, it's actually a good thing that it got banned, because Dr. Suisse has been a problem for a long time, and like, as long as Dr. Suisse published books like that, people were, he hurt people with his book. You know, if someone's going to come up with some explanation, and it's just like, I don't, but the reality is I don't actually feel anything. Because I was never even a Dr. Swiss fan. Dr. Suisse, you say Dr. Suisse, I say Dr. Swiss. No, but I, I was never even a Dr. Uh, Swiss fan as a kid or anything like it just i I, i'm not even saying like i had a problem with it i just like managed to completely bypass it somehow even though it was everywhere that's like one of those things like i had berenstain bear books you know it's not like i didn't have like the normal things a little kid had like kids books and things like that but somehow like my family didn't didn't buy me or read dr swiss books to me Somehow, like, I managed to go through school without, like, having those read to me. Like, I know I know at some point one of those was read to me, but it really just wasn't a part of my childhood, so I have no sentimental attachment to it. But, I mean, there are people who have a sentimental attachment to it, a sentimental attachment to it saying, like, kill him, you know? Kill Dr. Swiss. He's already dead. Kill him again, you know? There's people who feel that way about it for sure who do have a sentimental attachment, which is scary. It's scary that someone with a sentimental attachment with formative memories of something, who, who has a, a high opinion of something, can suddenly turn around and just be like, oh, you know, you're right, that's bad, let's get rid of it. That's what scares me more than anything. It's not people who hate something to begin with. It's the people who can just turn on a dime and go from like, I love Dr. Suisse, to like, I hate Dr. Suisse. You know, that's the kind of thing that scares me. But it feels good to not feel anything about that whole issue because, like, I, I mean, sometimes you just have this relief where you're kind of like, I'm glad other people are talking about something so that I don't have to talk about it. I'm glad other people sometimes have an opinion so that I don't have to have that opinion. Like, that happens to me a lot where, like, somebody will be saying something, they'll be expressing an opinion, and I think to myself... Because they have that opinion and they are saying it out loud, I don't even need to have that opinion because it's represented. Like that person is doing such a good job representing that opinion that I don't even need to have that opinion myself. Like even if I agree with it, I don't even have to have it. And, 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 if, I, and if I had that opinion, I couldn't even do a better job representing it than they do. So I might as well not have it. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel that way about a lot of things. I feel that way about a lot of things right now. Where, um, 
it just seems like it's hard to really have opinions on what's going on at the moment and things feel so disconnected they feel so like just quiet and maybe i'm wrong about that maybe i'm just in my own world but there does feel there is this kind of like unsettling quiet and that's sort of what i was getting at with the false hearth of like seeing people in restaurants and then looking outside of the restaurants and seeing just utter desolation in downtown olympia where it's kind of like it's nice to see people in the warm light of a restaurant without their masks enjoying a meal but outside of that restaurant things seem so quiet and eerily quiet not peacefully quiet but eerily quiet and as the weather warms up as that male aggression that I'm prophesying my pro- the prophecy of pending male aggression you know I'm concerned about that you know warm weather always brings something out of people I mean we saw what happened last year when the weather got warm we definitely saw what happened you know when when polarizing events occurred during the warm weather because the reality is people aren't better and i'm hopeful it's not that i'm not hopeful it's not that i'm thinking negatively but in going around trying to get my finger on the pulse lately in a fairly quiet city you know olympia for for everything is a, is a pretty quiet city if any place is going to like maybe i don't know if any place is going to maybe just be manageable and okay this seems like it has as much of a chance as anything but walking around lately i've just like it's hard to shake the feeling that the quiet isn't a peaceful quiet it's an eerie qu- quiet it's an eerie silence and i don't think that people are going to be better anytime soon and i hope i'm wrong like I, you know i'm i'm whenever i say something like that i always hope i'm wrong but like there was the false hearth of you know a week and a half ago and then a few nights ago going downtown again and feeling like i really saw things for what they actually were where there was a lot more tension it felt like you you know there were a lot more teeth being bared it felt like the wires were exposed a little more and then getting the feeling that that's more how things are like it's not a good feeling it's not like i liked that feeling of being like oh the wires are exposed the the wires were a little better hidden a week ago and now i'm seeing the wires a little more exposed and sparks are coming out i you know i, I don't take any delight in feeling that way but i also recognize that that felt more like the state of things than what i saw a week earlier which was people like talking about condos as they left the oyster house so i don't know I, i'm just you know I'm trying to slow time down. I don't always try to do that right now. I'm trying to slow time down. The slower time goes right now, the better. I feel like the the slower time goes and the wider my own range of motion is, the better things will be for myself for sure, which I really do have to think about. You know, in all of this and everything I've been going through lately, I I have had to think like, you know, what is going to be best for me in this world right now? And and whatever is going to be best for me is hopefully going to be best for many people. 
and uh, you know one of the reasons why I think kind of withdrawing from the the front lines of this psychic war I feel like I've been in which sounds crazy but it's not <laughs> let me assure you it's not I think everybody's been participating in that in their own way I'm certainly not alone I know that much but in kind of trying to withdraw from it I have had to think like you know what's the next step and, and that all kind of plays into like trying to get my finger on the pulse, which I haven't been able to do. As it turns out, whatever the next step is for me, really, it doesn't make a difference what the pulse is. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really make a difference if, I, if I'm able to even get my finger on the pulse, whether that really probably won't impact what I have to do for myself anyway. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm still hopeful about things. I'm not someone who wants things to turn out poorly for anybody or anything like that, you know, but so much of life is trying to balance having a sense of realism with a sense of hopeful fantasy. And I think you can do both. But, uh, I'm really curious to see how this month plays out. I never really think about March as the transition out of winter, even though it is. I never really think about the end of winter when it comes. I'm always aware of winter setting in. Like, I always remember the first day of the, the late fall when you have to, like, start turning the heater up. I'm always very well aware of, like, the first day that you go outside in the morning and can see your breath or have to wear gloves. So... It's funny to me that I'm always very aware of the start of winter, but I'm very rarely aware of the end of winter. It just kind of happens and I don't think of it. Like, I don't even think about the first day of spring. Like, I actually looked that up. I actually looked up, like, the spring solstice recently because I feel like I never pay attention. This year, I think I will. If nothing, if nothing else, maybe that's where everything has led me, is to be very, very aware of the start of spring this year. This land is mine God gave this land to me this brave, this golden land to me. And when the morning sun reveals her hills and plains, I see a land where children can run free.